Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. ready to rock what's up dgen family it's the dgen nation podcast coming back at you for week one in the week one DraftKings breakdown Woo! we're so happy to be here football is back i'm your host ryan alexander underscore w and i'm joined by my usual co-host mr kevin Steele himself aka fantasy wrath 13 aka kc baby and we're joined by our if you if you missed the podcast Two weeks ago, then you know this guy's going to be a regular host with us on the podcast this year, DJ Nation family. It's Maddie Dickinson at Maddie DFS. Maddie, we're happy to have you back again. You're in the drive seat with us for all 16 weeks, including playoffs, buddy. How are we doing? Doing good, man. Can't believe week one's finally here. Uh, ready to fire this ship up and get rolling. Yeah, man. It's we got a lot to talk about, a lot to break down, and of course. Kevin already stepped away to get himself some water because you know he's going to be spitting some fire takes and I can't wait to just get at his head for him. But for those of you guys who are listening to us on the stream that could be watching on YouTube, Periscope, would have you guys make sure you're subscribed to the TFA channel there on YouTube. You can look right there at the bottom screen. You just subscribe there. It's it's very simple. Uh, good content that's coming out, guys, especially from the Redraft family. The Fantasy Authority pod has been killing it already with the start sit video. That's been live. They got waiver wire pickups for you. There's going to be content coming at you all year, guys. FantasyAuthority.com is where you need to be in subscribing to our YouTube channel, the Fantasy Authority. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you're getting this sweet goodness in your ears, that means you're listening on your podcasting software, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, um, even on the on the site itself. And guys, on Apple Podcasts, I'm looking at the reviews and thank you to my boy Lewis right here. He's he's subscribed or he's uh, already made a comment, gave us some stars there. Lewis J21. I appreciate you, dude. Lewis, if you reach out to me on Twitter, that's Ryan Alexander underscore W. I'm going to send you five dollars, however you like it, PayPal, Venmo to use in DFS. Uh, it, whatever DFS site you want to. And that goes for first people that I see that leave us a rating, leave us a a five-star rating and and send us a comment as well. I'm going to send five bucks your way to the first 10 people that do that. Just to start off the season right, Maddie, because, you know, we're getting back into the DFS grind and people are hungry for it. People are ready to get these lineups up. People are ready to test their redraft strategies into DFS family. And uh, it's going to be a crazy week one as we uh, have seen the scope kind of lay itself out with injuries, with depth charts being released. Um, how excited are you, dude, to get ready for this? Oh, I'm excited, man. Uh, we kind of talked pre-show. We've seen a lot of talk on Twitter over the last week or so about all these depth charts and what who's listed where, whether it matters or, or not. Um, 
and I'm just ready to get it rolling. I'm ready to ready to get get back into the DFS swing of things and um, get out of the the grind of season long. Absolutely, man. And you know what? While, while we're uh, waiting on Kevin to get back, I just want to kind of talk about just the overall view of the slate. You know, we we touched on it when we came back about two weeks ago, just about overall strategies of the slate, kind of what we were looking at, what we were targeting um, pretty much across the board. We were all kind of looking at the Philadelphia situation there with Jalen Rager, uh, his price coming in at only, I believe, 4300 on DraftKings. Um, he is now going to be missing that game. Uh, looks like Deshaun Jackson chalk week. We got a couple chalk running backs that we're going to talk about. But how are you just feeling about this overall slate and and where you're going to be um, finding yourself leaning towards um, in in certain situations? Are you are you locking looking in on players? Are you looking in on game scripts more so? Uh, trying to predict there. Where where are you starting at, Maddie? Yeah. So we kind of touched on it two weeks ago. I mean, trying to predict in week one the amount of volume that you can predict, you know, comfortably, like, cause there's going to be a lot of unknowns, like with, especially with the rookies, um, you got the guys like Jonathan Taylor who are going to possibly split with Marlon Mack. Um, you just don't know how many carries are going to come there despite being in a really good matchup with Jacksonville. Um, so for me, it's, it's always about targeting game environments, but also at the same time, getting those, you know, those top, top-end players and offenses, whether they're good or bad offenses that are going to, you know, garner a lot of the targets or, or get a lot of the, the rushing volume. So guys like, you know, Terry McLaurin, um, you know, the Redskins are, or sorry, Washington football team is, is not a, uh, not a, <laughs> not a good offense in, in general, but I mean, you get a guy like McLaurin who's going to hog 25 to 30% of the targets um, on a weekly basis. You know, that's, that's a guy when he's, priced a little bit lower, which he is this week. That's a guy you can look at um, to kind of fill out your lineups, despite it maybe not being, you know, a game that you might not want to target. So um, that's just an example, you know, that that kind of is a good game to target, but that's just an example of, you know, a guy on a bad offense that you may want to look to, to prioritize, you know. Yeah, absolutely, Maddie. I definitely hear you there. And, and you know, we talked about it in the last podcast as well, too, of just kind of being smart um, with your exposures and everything as we get into week one, because a lot of the stuff is kind of we're going to see where the rubber meets the road. Right. Like the games are going to first be played. We're going to see how these teams react to, you know, the pandemic situation and being tested and getting on the field and actually, you know, playing football for the first time in months with no off with no preseason games. Um, and really, you know, the first time that we're seeing game speed. So a lot of that is going to, you know, come to fruition and then we'll be able to take advantage on it going forward. Uh, Kev, we're just talking about the overall general views of, of the slate and kind of how we're thinking about attacking it and, and what things are sticking out to you just on an overall landscape here before we get into individual plays on how you feel um, like attacking this game. I know we had talked a lot about uh, the Philadelphia situation. We talked about the Seattle and Atlanta game. We talked about some of these other teams we thought we could um, get exposure to um, because the the pricing was just felt too cheap for them on DraftKings. How are, how are you feeling overall now having a, a week and a half to kind of dive into stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to, with so much uncertainty around how things are going to play out in terms of, you know, touches and targets and how things are going to really work, I think I'm going to try to stick more of a straightforward approach this week, not get too cute, because I think that, like, for example, I think the games that we want to target are the ones that are the most straightforward, like... Uh, obviously, the Seattle game is 100%. Uh, I think I mean one of the most targeted games. I think the Tampa Bay New Orleans game is, is another game that's uh, going to want a lot of exposure to. Um, I was, I think I'm going to try to. And again, I, I just like we said last week. I feel like not getting too cute, playing too much. Uh, I think trying right. to find the right tournaments to get into um, is probably a, a definitely a, a way to go. Um, you know, uh, avoiding the Millie Maker, which is uh, yeah. what over a million people in it, I think. Uh, you're gonna earn that. Probably a smart approach. <laughs> you're gonna earn that Millie. Not, uh, you're gonna earn that, that Millie. That's for sure. Yeah, I want no part of that. So, yeah, I mean, with week one is always always so volatile on a week to week basis, now, or on a year to year basis, anyways. And I think this year is going to be more so. Yeah, it, absolutely. And, and the madness, the madness is what is what we're excited about. The madness is what the Degen Nation wants to hear about. So let's kind of go into this slate and just talk about it a little bit more in depthly as we get you know overall here. Um, in the grand scheme of things. And as I usually say, when we do this podcast, it, it starts at the quarterback position. And, you know, last week I felt like there were, there was some talk about, you know, Carson Wentz and attack, attacking um, the Philly side of things. There was some talk about, is it worth it to pay up for Lamar Jackson? Um, you know, getting exposure to Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson. What are, where are you guys leaning towards right now on the quarterback situation? Because I found myself really, um, looking at three guys, and I and I really haven't strayed away from that. Um, Maddie, let's let's start with you. I mean, you're the you're the quarterback guy. Um, you're you're the one that plays, you know, only a certain amount of lineups, and you kind of just make your block go with that. So, what where are you looking at um, right now as we as we sit here on a Tuesday night to get into Sunday slate? Yeah. So just a. To- kind of touch on my process very quickly. Um, being a single entry to three entry max player, I've, I've kind of shifted to, to three entry max over the last uh, year or so. Um, I try to target uh, three stacks that I really like for the week because usually it's really hard for me to narrow down to just one. So I usually try to target three that I like and build around those stacks on those three teams. Um, so I know before show, I said I wanted to talk about somebody. Um, and I want to start it off with, with Matt Stafford at home against Chicago. You're Ryan, you're the Chicago guy. Um, talk to me <laughs> about these Chicago corners. You know, they've got uh, yeah. Kyle Fuller, who did not play good last year. Um, he allowed, let's see, I've got it right here. He allowed 75 catches on 103 targets and a, rate, a quarterback rating over 100. And then they've got – they're running out their second-round pick on the opposite side. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Jalen Johnson there starting on the opposite yeah. side. So and probably – got – and then Buster Screens in the slot, who isn't very good. And now so we've guy, got – A guy who we've, targeted, who we've targeted traditionally. <laughs> yeah, and so now you've got the Lions who just signed Adrian Peterson, which – yeah, he may not come in and, you know, be, be this workhorse or whatever – for them, but the fact that they even signed him tells you that the running backs, they don't have full confidence in the running backs right now, whether it be health or performance or whatever. So I, to me, 
that signals, okay, this is going to be a Matthew Stafford show here, at least to start the season. And while Chicago's defense has been, you know, they've been respectable over the last couple of seasons. I mean, those cornerbacks aren't really anything special. And you've got Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and even Amendola, who, you know, had a, had a good year last year when he was on the field with Stafford. Um, Stafford in eight games, he, he threw 19 touchdowns in uh, 2,500 yards in eight games last year. That's an absurd 5,000-yard, uh, 38 touchdown pace. Um, so, I mean, I think he's going to go completely overlooked. But I think, you know, playing at home in the Dome and an offense that could potentially be very pass-heavy to start the year, I think, you know, that's a spot, especially in tournaments, that, that I want exposure to. Yeah, I mean, and and that's a matchup too. And I don't want to take away from the Stafford call so so much, so uh, Maddie. But Kenny Galladay, being a Chicago boy, he has always tried to go out there and and torch these dudes. It feels like. I mean, the, you talk about the David Blau game last year in Chicago when he just annihilated this team, going for what what was it that he went for? I had it written down here uh, for one fifty eight and one. And he's pretty much had a, a touchdown or 100 yards in like three of his last four games against Chicago. So um, he he's always, you know, somebody who I look to target a, against this team. And like you said, Maddie, I mean, there's nothing that the Chicago secondary has really shown us as of late to, to shore up this this defense um, the the back, you know, four guys of, of defensive back. So you're getting a Matthew Stafford here who comes into the season. He's healthy. He's priced at 6,200 on DraftKings in a game where I just don't know, you know, like we, we don't even know like how these teams are going to fare, so to speak. And, and really the lines for Vegas, I can't even really look at them because I'm looking at some of these other teams as we go through lines. And I'm like, man, I, I really don't know if this is really going to match because I could I could see this game being sloppy or I could, you know, the Patriots defense is not the Patriots defense as we knew with these guys sitting out. So I'm not even looking at, you know, the Vegas totals all so much. I'm just looking at, you know, where's this defense? Where are the changes on the defense? Have they made any? No. Okay. So have they been able to stop anything in the past? Okay. No or yes then plug it in there. And and I, I definitely like this call with, with uh, Stafford and Galladay there um, going to it. And I, and I think that Marvin Jones even has some interest too, when you're looking at a, a receiving corpse that really has him, Marvin Jones, what are we going to get from TJ Hawkinson? And then it's Danny Amendola and just a bunch of other guys, you know, just Jags. Yeah. I, I just, you know, it's Vegas. Like, has it as a 44 and a half right now, which is kind of the, the 44 to 46 range is kind of floats in the, and it's, you know, it could be kind of slow. Like you said, might be a little sloppy, um, but you know, Detroit's defense isn't very good. Detroit's favored in this by three points. Um, I just don't see Detroit coming out and, and running the football over and over again. If they're going to move the ball, it's going to be from Stafford and let's see, he's what 6,200. Yeah. And the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth highest price quarterback, and he's gonna be unowned. Like I I think a lot of people are gonna look at that red number nine next to Stafford facing Chicago and they're just they don't they just forget how good he was last year. I mean, nineteen touchdowns in eight games and twenty five hundred yards is is pretty ridiculous. 
It's just the fact that he missed half the season with an injury. So, right. And what, and one of the, one of the biggest redraft darlings, I feel like all summer long was people were ta- talking about Matt Stafford late, go Matt Stafford. If you're, you know, going late quarterback and yeah. this is going to be a year and, and what better way to showcase, showcase that than week one against the Chicago team. Um, yeah, I, 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 def- I definitely see merit in that call, Maddie. Yeah. I want to hop on when, when Swift's not, you know, he's banged up. They're not going to rely on carry on Johnson. They brought in Adrian Peterson, like, it just it just screams if they're going to move the ball, it's going to be through the air, and that's a spot I want exposure to. Um, you know, kind of betting on talent more so than than matchup. But I mean, even the the matchup's not horrible with the corners that Chicago is going to run out. So yeah, I, I think that's that's where I'm going to start my tournaments um, is is with a line stack. So that's I'm sure that's not what like you were that. expecting, but hey, no, that's I, I know. That is, that is what we're talking about. And you're looking at guys that are around there, Matty, um, as we as I'm looking through DraftKings right now. And, you know, you got an Aaron Rodgers at 6,300 against Minnesota. So I, I don't know how much ownership he'll be garnering. But Wentz is right there at 6,300. You got Kyler Murray going against San Fran at 6,400. Josh Allen against the Jets. I know people are kind of hungry to kind of play Josh Allen. Uh, he's 65. And then Cam Newton right below him at 61. Um, so, you know, I definitely think the ownership there, which we'll be able to see, you know, kind of get a little bit of an idea with the Thursday night slates, um, and kind of see where ownership is kind of, you know, tending to lean towards, but I definitely think it will be lower, um, you know, lower than we even could project, um, in this case with, with a lot of people looking at those over-unders and seeing that, you know, it's, it's only going to reach about 40 something. I'll pull it up here in a sec, but spreads three Mitchell Trubisky on the other side is named the starter. So people might not be expecting, you know, a lot of fantasy goodness from that game. Kev, who's the quarterback that you're looking at starting your builds with this week, as we get into this week, one slate on DraftKings. It hasn't changed. It's 100% Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think this is too good of a matchup. He shredded the Cardinals last year. The The Cardinals defense hasn't gotten any better. He threw for over eight, almost 800 yards and eight touchdowns against them last year in the two games that they faced each other. Um, I, nothing really changes here for me. Uh, it sounds like Devo Samuel will be back, which is something we weren't really expecting. So he should be available. We'll have to wait and see on Brandon Ayuk. But, you know, running a Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle stack is just kind of, I think, right where it's at. So, I mean, I just I just think it's too good to pass up on, this, on an opportunity to play him. He's only 5,800. It allows you to kind of get some of these other guys in. We'll talk about the other positions. But um, I'm probably going to have the most exposure to Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just, it's just too good. Um, you know, Kendrick Bourne could could also come and play depending on how things work out with the, their other wide receivers there. So, yeah, I, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, some of the other guys, you know, I think Carson Wentz is also um, somebody that I would want to play as well against Washington. Washington secondary is absolutely atrocious. Um, they brought back Kendall Fuller. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, it, it, he's still not even good. So, uh, I think uh, Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson stack is also super. I'm going to have a ton of Deshaun Jackson this week. And I think he absolutely torches this defense again. And I, Deshaun Jackson's too cheap for what he is. And to be honest, I mean, they're not going to have Alshon Jeffrey. Jalen Rager's now out. So, <clears throat> in terms of just targets, uh, you know, I think it's going to be pretty easy to determine where those targets are going to go to. Uh, I think Greg Ward is 100% yeah. in play. Uh, I think people are way too low on him this week. Like he got so much hype through camp, said that he was kind of the, um, 
kind of their he was the Zach Ertz of the wide receivers for them, which is uh, kind of high praise for him. So I think Greg Ward is also in play. But it's Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, um, Greg Ward stack, I think is going to be something that you're not going to see a whole lot of. So it, again, I mean, he's only $100 more than Stafford. So um, I, I like the Stafford call. I love Matt Stafford this year. But uh, I, I just I just think that um, the Carson Wentz is, is a little bit hard to get away from um, in this matchup against Washington. You know, uh, of course, Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan are definitely there. That's that's going to, but that's probably where most of the ownership is going to go to is paying up for one of those guys. I think, especially with the way that pricing is this week, it's really not that hard to get up to them. But uh, I, I just prefer going Stafford and Garoppolo. And, you know, like we talked about last week, I, I definitely think Derek Carr is also in play at 5,900. This Carolina defense is horrendous. They lost Eli Apple as well, which is probably their only corner that they had. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, you, you know, they're, that. huh? If you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> this, this defense is just, I mean, they're another team that's trying to actively tank. And so, you know, Derek Carr is not somebody that I typically want to want to target, and maybe. Um, but I think that on both sides, I think this can be a game that has a little bit of a sneaky shootout potential, because um, I think I think Carolina's offense is good enough to push them. Uh, Oakland certainly does not have a great defense either; um, their secondary is just as vulnerable. So, I think if you wanted to run Derek Carr and you know whether it's Waller or Henry Ruggs or even Brian Edwards, I think is in play. And run it back with like a DJ Moore, I think, or a Christian McCaffrey, obviously, I think is a, is a pretty good way to go, too. Do you guys think that Seattle-Atlanta game, do you think both sides, both Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson are popular? you think guys, because they're only 300 apart, you think they go to one over the other? Because Matt Ryan, I, he shreds zone defenses, and that's what Seattle runs. They run a lot of zone coverage. So um, if I was picking, I would pick Matt Ryan, but I'm just curious what, if you guys have a – you know, any lean on which side you think is going to be higher in? Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, I would I would think Russ would be um, just on the standpoint that I think if you're looking at getting exposure to Seattle in that game, I, I would I would tend to think that most people would lean Russ over Chris Carson to get to the running back. So you're probably looking at someone looking to stack Russ with Lockett or Russ with Metcalf. Matt Ryan is just such a roller coaster ride for DFS that I know that myself and, and others who I've talked to um, it's, it's just so hard to play him, you know, when you, and you, you don't really like, I kind of want to see how Atlanta works in Gurley, you know, in this matchup. And, and, and the thing too with Seattle is they're you know, they're only, if Atlanta's putting up points, then Russ, I think could be good because he'll then be forced to throw. But if Seattle's going to be able to control the game script, um, I think that, you know, they could just lean on Carson and just force Atlanta into trying to make plays. And how many times last year towards the end of the season did we see Ryan just, you know, throw up duds and, and stall out on drives, um, you know, having to punt on fourth down. It, it's just so infuriating to play him. So my 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 gut says that Russ and and thank you, uh, Maddie Mulse Pod, for putting in the percentages there. It looks like Wilson at 16, Ryan at 10.3. Um, right now, I'm not, Maddie. Let us know where you pulled that information from, um, so we can let the people know. But, uh, but yeah, that's. I think that's the way it would go. Um, and, yeah. and you're looking at you're looking at it too, Maddie. Like you got to you you pretty much are forced to 
you're forced to think about playing Matt Ryan Julio and it it doesn't always, you know, that kind of just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Now, if Julio goes off, you know, you're, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be counting cash, but it's, it's just the frustrating part of having, you know, how do you play Matt Ryan without Julio? And it just makes you, it just makes you yeah. feel sick. Don't um, you always get nervous to play Julio on Julio Jones? What the weeks that he's supposed to smash? Yeah. Right. I do. It's always the the matchups where it's supposed to be hard, uh, tough for him that that he just goes out and goes nuclear and drops two hundred and three touchdowns. Right, exactly. I, yeah, and I, I mean, I I definitely want exposure to that game, and I'm still trying to figure out ways to get pieces um, of that game uh, at this point in time. Because and, and you know, rightfully so, they're all priced up. So you pretty much have to either get you know one or two that you feel pretty confident in, or you're going full game stack. Yeah. I may just end up getting my zone, you know, attacking a zone defense with the tight end exposure through Hayden Hurst, who's like 4,300. He's like the one cheap piece of that Atlanta offense. Right. Um, and we saw we saw Hooper over and over and over again just shred zone defenses. And it's, it's just a thing, you know, zones have softer coverage in the middle of the field. Um, and the tight ends can just go find those those holes in the zones and just sit down in the holes. And, you know, the quarterback can just pepper them. So, um you know, Hayden, I mean, yeah, Hayden Hurst, he yards per route run is the same, ex- basically, essentially the same exact production. Granted, he was in Baltimore and Hooper was in Atlanta. Um, same exact yards per route run as, as Hooper for the most part um, within like a decimal point here or there. But um, I think the the spike in volume is going to be a, a bump to Hurst. And, you know, a guy like Hooper who's not really efficient, you know, he thrived in the Atlanta sure. offense. So, I may just go go that route and get my exposure that way because you know, like we kind of touched on two weeks ago, I, I really don't want to eat chalk in the in week one if I can help it, just because you know there's so much unknown with like how these teams are going to perform, and you know we may think you know that this is the greatest matchup and you know these guys are going to come in extremely popular, but if I can get a a matchup that I think is similar close to good at less ownership, then that's, you know, I'm just going to side with that, especially in week one. So. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, uh, All right. I'm going to, I'm going to need, you know, I know you guys are sitting down, but I'm going to need you guys to ride with me on this. Oh, Maddie Mospot. Thank you so much. Uh, Roto grinders where that information is coming from. Uh, He's even putting the numbers up there. Ridley 16.4 Jones, 12% um, ownership, which Ridley the cheaper one. Um, seems about right. And Hurst coming in at 13 right now, 13%. And this is on a Tuesday. So those numbers will fluctuate for sure. But um, good to get, you know, a first glance exposure on people who are already setting rosters on where they're leaning to. Um, The quarterback, and, you know, you guys know I love GPPs, love being contrarian, uh, that I'm looking at for week one, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's 5,300 on DraftKings. He's going against New England. And a New England defense that's missing Hightower, Chung, Shelton, Collins, second highest pass play rate last year, um, reunited with Chan Gailey as offensive coordinator back from their time at the Jets when Ryan was throwing, you know, or Fitzpatrick was throwing over 500 times. 
And the funnel, the the targets where you're where you're looking to, you don't really have to guess. I, I mean, it's going to be Devontae Parker. We don't know how Preston Williams is coming back from the ACL. They're not even saying that he could see his full complement of snaps already. So then after that, you got guys like, I mean, Grant and um, who else? I mean, Gasecki at tight end. So I, I'm I'm looking at Fitzpatrick and I'm looking at uh, Devontae Parker, who absolutely torched Stephon Gilmore the last time that they were on the field together. Um, and then you're looking at that. You're getting a quarterback wide receiver stack for just under 12K. And it's a you know, I, I'm expecting the Patriots to be able to get, you know, pretty aggressive offensively with Cam being there. Um, and we don't know what Sony Michelle's health is. So they could be, you know, in a situation where they're needing to pass a lot, taking advantage. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick is down, he has no problem in lighting it up. And you're looking at, you know, some of the scores that he had uh last year when he was asked to throw, you know, 40 or more times. And he definitely, you know, paid in dividends uh, on DraftKings, especially, you know, getting you that 20 points that you're kind of looking for. And he's, you know, he's priced under guys like Mitchell Trubisky and and Nick Foles there. It, it just really doesn't make sense for what the payoff could really be for him. Now, I'm not saying that uh, he's necessarily going to be my main build and where I'm looking at, but in definitely in high field tournaments, um, where you know it's single entry but high payouts there i'm i'm considering a ryan fitzpatrick uh Devontae parker stack with my builds because the salary relief there um you know just lets you do so much plus you know you're you could potentially have one of the you know top five quarterback to wide receiver stacks on this slate don't all jump at once <laughs> no no i mean i don't i don't hate it i just that dolphins defense is going to be much better this year than they were last year is my only concern with you know, Dolphins, the Dolphins offense this year, you know, they brought in Byron Jones. They already had Xavier Howard, uh, Van Noy signed from New England. Uh, they got Agba from Cleveland. Like that, it's a, it's a new look defense. It's, you know, they should be somewhat competent. And then you've got Cam on the other side for this week. Who We just, you know, we just got no clue what that offense is going to look like in reality. I mean, I guess you, James White is, you know, especially on a PPR right. site. Is maybe the, the run back if you want to if you want to go with the Dolphins side. I just probably James White is who I'd go with on the other side. It's because you know Harris is on IR. They're not going to just re- rely on Rex Burkhead. Michelle is dust. Do runs on one knee. Yeah, I mean e- even if you're looking, they don't have at, a tight end. <laughs> like no, I, yeah, two two rookie tight ends on the other side. You got Nikhil Harry who's going to be coming in. Uh, Julian Edelman, you know, and and the first game that Cam is going to see, you know action so we're, we're going to find out kind of how this Patriots offense is going to be running but these guys have always schemed to the quarterback I feel like whether you know Tom Brady Matt Castle Brian Hoyer uh Jacoby Brissett whoever's back there they always are scheming ways to try and find ways to make points and now we're getting a Cam Newton who I, I think Cam Newton is going to garner um, a decent amount of ownership this week at 6,100 on DraftKings. And so I'm looking at, okay, if we think that the Patriots are going to be putting up points, what's a way that I can get exposure to this game? And and like you said, Matty, yeah, maybe it is taking a James White there who's at 6K. Um, or you could take a, a shot on Cam Newton and James White together um, and just hope to get all of the, you know, all of the work in that in that passing game and run game. Um, we don't know wh- what they're going to do in the red zone situation if they're going to let Cam run um, like he once did before. So he could he could be sneakily getting, you know, one or two vultures there. 
um, on the rushing ground. That's six K James White price. That's just too high. I can't, oh man. I, the only only way I would play White is if it, if I was running the Dolphins on the other side. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't yeah. make you feel good as a as a solo as a solo play. Yeah. Do you think Trubisky's in play at all? I know the narrative is that he's trash and that he is the worst quarterback in the league, but like the Dolph- would, the, the, the Lions' defense doesn't scare me. He's only fifty four hundred. I mean, the, the, aren't the Lions who he threw his six TDs against? I uh, think uh, the, they are. No, that was the Bucks. I think. Was I think it was the Lions without Slay when Slay was out. <clears throat> but I mean, obviously, I think the the weapons, you know, with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I don't know, and he has that rushing ability, and uh, and his range of outcomes as well that you kind of look for. Um, somebody, as long as he actually uses them this year, uh, he didn't do it as much last year. I know he got hurt last year, but and missed some time. I think with, with some had something to do with it. But with Trubisky starting, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that's a, a very what probably a one percent play that that, that Dude, nobody's no. running. Yeah, like I really don't hate that at all because I mean the same thing that we said about the Lions not having a run game. You can say about the Bears because they don't have Montgomery. They're not just going to give Tariq Cohen, you know, a bunch of carries. And I would assume they're not just going to lean on their you know third string running back either, Ryan Nall. It, I feel, I just feel like both sides of that game on offense are going to be through the air. It just feels really condensed, and we know where all the targets on both sides are going to go. So, like, while that's a you know maybe one of the lower owned, lower total games of the week, I just I don't know. I just feel like it's a game that that could end up you know shooting out into the low fifties, and it's a, a concentrated offensive output on either side, and it doesn't cost me a lot of lot of money either. I'm just really starting to fall in love with that game the more we talk about it. So Trubisky has seven career games where he's thrown for over 300 yards. And I believe three, if not four of them, have come against the Lions. Yeah, he owns the Lions, dude. And the the Lions defense is not good. And they got rid of Slay, too. Welcome, welcome to Mitchell Trubisky week, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it at all, man. But you, you know that it's going to be great, too, so, for next week when all the people that, like, when Trubisky just goes out and slays, if he does, that'll be fantastic after all of the hate that man got over the offseason. Yeah, yeah the, and, and you're, you, you are right, Kev. Like, you're hoping to – I mean, here, the, the, listen, Matt Nagy has gone uh, – he could write a poetic book on how he feels about Mitchell Trubisky at this point. Like the dude was salivating over him. And and so, you know, just you, you heard Stacey Dales talk about on NFL Network. Like she was on that call when he named, when he was named the starting quarterback and, and they just love him here. And so they're going to give him every chance to succeed. And, and through that, you are hoping that you see some of those 2018 runs um, that we were getting. And if we could, you know, if we get back to that where he's running, you know, six or seven times uh, designed runs, especially without David Montgomery, you know, this week, I think you could definitely, you know, get an extra anywhere from, you know, four, four to seven points on the ground um, from Trubisky this week. So and definitely being down there. And, and, and I love the narrow distribution of targets, too. You know, that's why I was kind of looking at Fitzpatrick. Like with Trubisky, you know, you're just playing Trubisky, playing Allen Robinson and you're good. Like you really don't have to get too creative outside of that. Maybe you want to throw in Anthony Miller if you want to. But you, you just take those two guys and, and you can uh, you can log out pretty much. Um, 
and yeah, do the run back like like uh, Maddie Mulspot is saying, do the run back with Galladay, get your Galladay exposure there, Maddie, Maddie D. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's going to be interesting. That that's another one where if I was in a you know a field where it's twenty max or one fifty max, and there's just a ton of entries in there, and I'm building multiple lines, that would be where I take a shot. I don't know if I would do it necessarily on my single entry builds. Yeah. So f- fun fact: the uh, projected starting de- defense for the Lions has six of the eleven guys were undrafted. So, Jeez. as long as I'm reading that right, I think I am. But. Um, they so they lost Slay, but they brought in Trufant. So I mean, they're still going to have you know that number one corner. But I mean, the other side is Justin Coleman from Seattle. So I mean, looking at the names on here, there's not really anybody. They've got a couple former New England guys, but yeah, then no, that that Lions defense yeah. is still not going to be very good. Whoo, that's that's some dicey names: Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Matthew or uh, Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> and Matt Stafford. Uh, before we move on to the running backs, let's just talk about these guys to the top tier and maybe who you would uh, be more likely to pick. And when I say top tier, I'm going to take uh, b- basically the top five guys here on uh, DraftKings with Lamar Jackson, Russell, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. Um, the one game that we didn't really touch on in going through this process is the Saints and Tampa Bay game being in the Dome Uh in, in New Orleans with Drew Brees going against Tom Brady, a lot of exposure I feel like is going to be had on this game with them, you know, creeping at the 50 over under total there. Um, but the pieces in this game are so expensive that you have to get them right in, in order to, you know, succeed or you have to really hit on the game stack. Um, that we're targeting here, and it's like, you know, you can't the Saints are pretty much returning the same guys on defense there. They're stout against the run. So is Tom Brady going to be forced to throw? Who's the ball going to go to? Is it Godwin? Is it Evans? Like, how would you guys be attacking this slate? Or are you guys even looking or attacking this game? And are you guys even looking to get exposure to players on this slate? I like Kamara. I I think a lot of people are going to see that red number one next to Tampa Bay. While the scheme kind of does transition year to year, like a lot of times we see defenses who, you know, their their production year over year is not sticky. And we see defenses, you know, that project horribly that come out and, and shock us. Like Tampa Bay last year, for example, that everybody said this is going to be a horrible defense and they ended up being the number one run defense in the NFL. Um, so like, Which is still actually mm-hmm. what people talk about. Like all, you still hear people say all offseason how terrible ter- Tampa Bay's defense is. Yeah. And so like it's you're getting people are going to play or not play Kamara because, you know, Tampa Bay was extremely good against the run last year. But we don't know that that's necessarily true this year. Um, And I think Kamara's due for a bounce back year. He was his red zone target share dropped pretty like drastically last season. And I think that's going to go back up to where it was the prior two years. Um, and that's where a lot of his, you know, that's where his ceiling games come from is when he scores two and three touchdowns. And I don't need a hundred yard rushing game from Kamara. I need, you know, seven catches for 75 yards and three touchdowns. And he's got you over 30 points. And that's what I need right. in 7,200. Um, I, I know we wanted to talk about quarterbacks, but, you know, 9K from Michael Thomas is kind of tough to get to. But I, I can absolutely swallow the 7,200 pill for Kamara. I feel like I feel like for me this is in a game that I'll probably look to stack. I think it's more so a game that I'll look to get pieces from. Um, 
when, when I can, whether it's Chris it's just Godwin. It's so expensive all around yeah, to be I mean, able to stack it yeah, up. Try, trying to get Chris Godwin. You know, if I wanted if I wanted to get weird and I was looking for kind of a one-off play, like a Traquan Smith for them, who's, uh, you know, I think for – What's Emmanuel Sanders' price? He's cheap, 40-something. Yeah, see, that's another piece. We've got no clue what his volume and role, weekly role is going to look like. See, but if you're if you're playing Drew Brees though, like why not get Sanders? Oh, fifty-seven actually. Okay, so he's priced up higher than than I no thought he was. Fucking yeah. thank you on that. No, <laughs> That's tough. Let's fifty-seven hundred for an unknown role. Yeah, no thanks. That's tough, dude. McLaurin is fifty-six. Yeah, give me give me the twenty-five percent target share that That's I know crazy. for for OBJ, a fact. OBJ's fifty-nine. <laughs> Like what? Oh man, that's gonna be fun. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, it it kind of makes me it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous to not have a piece of this game in some capacity. So I, I definitely want to try and find ways um, to to get exposure here. Um, but yeah, the the pieces are just so so tough. Um, They're expensive. Damn. It's just like when you when you play NBA, you know, like even if let's say Giannis goes out and scores 55 points not having him might not kill you because he costs so much. Right. right? So like, even though he has a good game compared to everybody else, you know, you just, when, when players cost a lot, they have to score a lot of points. And, you know, once you start getting up in there to the nine K range with Michael Thomas, like Thomas is one of the most consistent guys on a weekly basis. Like he will get you 20 to 25 points guarantee, but he's not going to most weeks. He's not going to output, you know, put out that 40 point week that McCaffrey is going to get you for only a thousand more. Sure. So it's just like, those are the, you know, when you cash versus GPP or, you know, kind of the things you got to look at, I'll take yeah, my we, chances not having a ceiling game week one for two of the highest price offenses on the slate. No, that's fair. And, and, and I, while we pivot into running backs here and let's, let's start talking about some running backs. I feel like, of the pieces of that game, people will most likely try to find a way to get to Thomas, especially if you're not playing a guy like Christian McCaffrey, um, because he's only 1,800 more than an Alvin Kamara. So when you're looking at it, you're like, okay, I'll sacrifice money on defense, I'll sacrifice money at the tight end, and then I'll play, I'll pay down at running back. And we have a ton of guys at running back who are really, you know, op- opening up the slate, quote unquote because of their price salaries. We got Antonio Gibson at 4K. We got, you know, the Jacksonville situation, how that's going to shade out. We got Tariq Cohen at 4,600 with no David Montgomery there to kind of spell him. Um, so many guys here to that are just cheap in salary that I feel like will garner some ownership and, and people will get to. So that could price out some of these guys in the mid-range, like an Alvin Kamara, like a um, – Aaron Jones, who I'm trying to get some exposure to. Josh Jacobs, who I freaking am starting to love this week as I started to get him on some redraft rosters. And, Kev, I know you've, you've beat the drum on Josh Jacobs a lot this offseason, but he he's in a great spot there going against Carolina. Like, I, I really want to try and figure out how to get these mid-tier running backs into lineups where I, I can possibly, you know, garner – you know, 25 to 30 points on DK from three three guys if I play a running back in the flex and then take a chance on dart, you know, not dart, but cheaper wide receivers who I think could pay off. So as we, you know, Josh Jacobs is a guy that I'm finding myself 
getting getting to a lot of uh, Maddie. I know you talked about Chris Carson in our first look um, build, so I want to I want to hear you on that. Um, and Aaron Jones is another guy who I've looked looked at. I talked about him last week, just of what he does against Minnesota, and they're they're not really having any wide receivers. Um, after uh, Adams to really to really make you feel good about, um, and then as we yeah as we get down into it, I, I found myself getting to uh, a forty nine hundred to Reed Cohen this week just because after after Allen Robinson, I, I just feel like the targets are are just going to be there for him to kind of pay off that salary in, in this game. Um, Kev, let's let's start with you, man, and, and kind of where are you looking at when the running back situation and how it's kind of shaped out? And is Antonio Gibson just a lock for you at the minimum price? And you're going to figure out elsewhere of your other eight spots how to be contrarian or how to make a build that not other people have? Well, I, I think Josh Jacobs is <clears throat> such an easy play this week at 6,800. He's so much cheaper than you know, going up to Christian McCaffrey or, you know, even the Dalvin Cooks, who's almost $1,100 cheaper than that. This is just a terrific spot. Carolina, like we already talked about, Carolina's defense is so bad. I, I just I just don't see how you, how you don't get in a ton of Josh Jacobs. This, uh, he's going to be chalky. But um, I want to – But, Kev, don't they have so many uh, pass-catching backs that are going to take work from Josh Jacobs? That Yeah, remember, remember all that? There was uh, Theo Riddick and, um, you know uh, – all the other dudes that in that got released. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, all offseason. That's all people kept talking about was, oh, uh, you know, that's why he's not going to get the work, and then they get cut, and then just silence, crickets. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's definitely in line here to to see some good work, and Carolina is one of the most expected, you know, defenses to to that we're going to be able to target this year, so to speak. Oh yeah, and then you know, anytime it's a positive or good, positive game script for them, yeah, I'm a Josh Jacobs cooks. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it's definitely a Josh Jacobs week. I think Miles Sanders is certainly in play. I think people are going to be afraid of afraid of playing him because he's you know quite uh, the, got the Q tag next to his name. Uh, you know, is he good? But there's been no reports whatsoever that they're that they're, that he's not going to play this week. And because um, I was looking today, but like there's nothing out there, and they actually cut three running backs over the weekend. So I think if there was any concern that he wasn't going to play this weekend, that you know that he would uh, that they would have kept some one of those guys at least for one week, because essentially on their roster it's him, Boston Scott, and then Corey Clement. So you know I I think. Uh, 6,300 miles Sanders uh, against Washington is certainly uh, an area that I can get on board with. Um, and like I said, I think he could have a little bit lower ownership because of the the fear of the injury. But I, I, I feel like that they, they kind of said from the beginning that it was minor, that they were just taking precautions with him. You know, And he was another guy that everybody was talking about. Oh, just just wait till they sign this guy. Wait, wait, wait till they sign Devonta Freeman or whatever other bum that people could fucking <laughs> think of for a player that, that, uh, that that's going to take his job from him make Miles Sanders because, you know, people don't like Miles Sanders for whatever reason, or it's the Doug Peterson narrative that, you know, that, uh, that they don't like, uh, that he, he wants a committee backfield, which is the most, the most ridiculous thing. Every NFL head coach wants a, um, a lead back. Do you know why they want a lead back? Because then you're not predictable because if you're a team that has a committee where everybody knows, okay, Tariq Cohen's in the game, they're probably going to be passing the ball here, right? They're not going to be handing it to Tariq Cohen. Right. So, regardless, uh, I just think that's ridiculous. And so, you know, Miles Sanders at 6,300. Um, 
I'm going to have a lot of exposure to him. In terms of Antonio Gibson, like I think that he is super interesting, especially since he is the bare minimum because DK raised up the minimum pricing to 4K for this week. I don't know if that's going to be something that they do from here on out. I think if they do, I think that's going to change some things because you know, you know, before what it was 3K was the was the bare minimum. Well, it's just for the running backs, I think, is what they did. Yeah, I think and the I wide think, receivers and tight ends are lower. Yeah, I I just think that's a uh, that that changes a little bit for uh, how you view some of these guys because. But do you guys view Antonio Gibson as kind of a free square, knowing that he's probably going to be the lead back? So let me read you this quote from Adrian Peterson. When yes, he got that cut. is the 100. Yeah, I already know what you're going to say. Yeah. Yes, read it for the people. Yeah, so when AP got cut, he said, Rivera said, just said this is always tough, but yes, we're going to release you, and we're going to go with this offensive style. I respect Coach. Look, Gibson is a hell of a talent. This system really fits him. I feel like I can do that pony style too, more as a receiving back. We were all working on it, but they really want one main guy to do it, and they drafted Gibson for it. He literally said they drafted Gibson to run this receiving back, you know, kind of what CMC was doing in Carolina. And, you know, if Gibson scores a touchdown, you better have him on your team because let's say he even, you know, let's say he just rushes for a measly 40 yards. He's going to have probably six catches for 50 yards at probably bare minimum if that's the role he's going to run. And then if he flops into the end zone, you're looking at a 20-plus point DK outing it at bare minimum. And it's just like that pass-catching role, if you know if they're going to be playing from behind, which they are because their defense isn't good, man, it's just it just feels like a free square. And it's not like this is some dude who's just four, runs like a 4 six forty who's just going to clog like clog down the field. Like this guy's 230 pounds and runs a 4-4-40. Like he's an athletic freak. It, it yeah, kind he's best of, comparable to Joe Mixon. Yeah, it to me it kind of feels like a David Johnson situation, like a, a guy who's just you know a freak athlete that can catch the ball. And he played wide receiver in college originally, and they switched him over, and he wants to play running back, and so he's gonna be like he's gonna catch right. a lot of passes. And I, I think even more so with him is the fact that this 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 wide receiver core, a really offense is devoid of really, I mean, who are they throwing the ball to? It's Terry McLaurin. I mean, their tight end is, you know, you hope that maybe Logan Thomas at age 29 can all of a sudden become a thing at tight end. You have Steven Sims who runs what, like a four, six something. Um, you know, they lost, uh, what Kelvin Harmon over the offseason to an injury. So like they have the rookie Antonio Gandy golden, like there is nothing there for, for them. So like he easily could be the number two, and targets this year behind Dwayne Haskins for or behind Terry McLaurin. And I think, you know, th- it's possible that Dwayne Haskins could take a step forward this year. I know a lot of people, you know, thought that Dwayne Haskins was terrible last year. I thought towards the end of the year, he, he, he started to turn it around a little bit, and especially for the situation that they were in. So I don't know. Like, I think that, that I think Antonio Gibson is, it's, it's going to be hard press. Like, I think, he, I think, six to eight target isn't crazy for especially for this week they're gonna be playing from behind they're gonna have to throw the ball and like you mentioned if he if he finds the end zone you know i think there's a lot to like with antonio gibson this week and that's why i mean especially at 4k like i don't know like i yeah. it's it, i'm gonna have a lot uh of of him and i know i think yeah they said he's gonna be 35 and a half percent owned like i think the way to get over that is just be ahead of, over the field on it that i mean that's how you get the edge on that yeah, i agree like i feel like this isn't like a a Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor situation where we don't really have an idea of, you know, who's going to handle the bulk or, you know, maybe they ride a hot hand there. It just, it, I just don't see a way Gibson really comes off the field 
You know, I mean, were they going to start handing the ball off to J.D. McKissick a ton? No, they're not going to do that. Like, they drafted Gibson for this, coming straight from AP's mouth, who's been – he's spent the most time with these guys out of anybody. You know, he's he's been the guy mentoring Gibson, essentially, and now he's the one that said they drafted Gibson for this, and he was kind of shocked that they cut him. And, like, to me, that just screams they want to, you know, they want to give Gibson as much run as he can handle and, you know – when you've got a good running back, you give him as much volume as you can when he's on his rookie deal, and then you just don't don't extend him. Like that's the smart thing to do as an organization. So like the whole thirty three carries in college thing, I'm not worried about it. You know the, the guy's a freak. He's going to catch a lot of passes. He's four K on a PPR site. Like something that always be funny yes. to me too is that people that talk about him over the offseason, like people talk about him like he's not a capable three down back. Like, he's probably raw, obviously, because he only had, I think, 33 carries, you know, like you said, in college. But, like, the dude is uh, not, you know, some small, like, satellite back. And I think that's what yeah. people were what, that's yeah. why people were talking about him. Like, he's not some capable three-down workhorse. Like, yeah, yeah, this isn't Tariq Cohen. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, this <laughs> small little dude that's just going to, you know, maybe catch passes here and there. But, like, no, this guy is a physical freak. Like, he's 230 pounds and runs a 4440 and – he's known for his receiving ability. Like it's to me that like in my mind, I just picture David Johnson and I want to be on board when he's at 4k. Yeah. You put, you put him in and, and you don't really have to think about the rest of your roster. Um, it, it, it does make some nice salary relief there. And, and especially I, I think he would be higher than 35% owned if he was listed as the number one guy on the depth chart. So you're not only getting, you know, leverage on him by playing him overweight of 35%, but then all the people who potentially could be playing J.D. McKissick this week because he's just listed as the number one guy in the depth chart you know, and, and roll with him. You know what this feels like? Wasn't James Conner like 3,500 or something that week where he stepped in for when Bell was holding out or something and nobody, oh played, nobody played him because they were like, was he that cheap? Yeah, like, and he was like thirty percent, or not, not even thirty. He's like twenty percent. And then the next week, they raised his price a little bit, and everybody hopped on it like sixty percent. It's just like, I feel like I just feel like that's what's happening here. Is like he's thirty five percent seems high, but it just it's too low for for who he is and what the role he's going to have. But I do think there are other, you know, I guess the case you could make in tournaments that running back is pretty. You know, there's a lot of guys to like this week, especially, you know, up around the 6 to 7K range. You got Eckler, who was the RB2 overall behind CMC when the, the six weeks Melvin Gordon was out. You've got him at 7K against Cincinnati. Um, right. we, you guys already hit on Josh Jacobs against Carolina. Um, the thing with Jacobs is if you think the Raiders win the game, you play Josh Jacobs because the, he smashed in games that the Raiders were playing from ahead. And then he did not really do do well in games that the Raiders were trailing last year because you know he wasn't as utilized in the pass game and they didn't re- couldn't really get him going on the ground. So um, if you think the Raiders win this week, which I do, um, makes for a good Jacobs play. Um, and then you guys touched on Miles Sanders; he's the other main main running back that I'm interested in. Sixty three hundred against Washington is just egregious. The dude's gonna handle as much as he can handle twenty plus touches probably. Uh, at 6,300 against uh, Washington defense that's just been gashed um, on the ground over the last few years. 
we 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 got to talk about before we move on to wide receiver real quick. We got to talk about three situations here that I feel like are going to shape the slate from the running back, and that is what are we doing with Tampa Bay? What are we doing with Sam Fran? And um, what what are we doing with Buffalo? Because these are these are three situations here where the running back could matter on the slate from how the teams are schemed. So at Buffalo, I think that like I I can't play Devin Singletary. It, it would have to be Zach Moss, which I think Zach Moss is like forty four hundred. I think costs more than Gibson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's forty four hundred. Yeah. So like if I was going to play somebody it would be Zach Moss but I don't know like I, I don't know I don't know if uh, what, what how big of a role he's going to have between the, the two of them right um this feels like a game that they're going to smash the Jets um which is obviously you know would, would bode well cuz I think that they, maybe they give more work to Zach Moss to kind of get him more experience so at 4400 considering he didn't have any preseason time um, he is actually the better pass catcher between the two, between him and Devin Singletary, which is funny because um, I think a lot of people, when they talk about the two of them, they act like Devin Singletary is going to be the satellite back, and uh, Zach Moss is is going to be the you know kind of between the tackles grinder. And Zach Moss is actually a better pass catcher than Devin Singletary is. So um, I, it's, it's just tough to project their touches for Week One. And I think sure. you could say the same thing about the indie situation and how it's going to work out with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor as a prospect, but they're saying that Marlon Mack is going to be the starter, which who cares? I don't really care who the starter is going to be. I just want to know who's going to get the most touches. And just because you're listed as a starter doesn't mean you're going to get the most touches. And let's face it, this is a fantastic matchup. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars are they're actively so tanking. Bad. They are so doing bad. whatever they can to tank this year. And so, like, it is intriguing to play one of these guys, but you know what? If I if I felt like that Jacksonville could even keep it somewhat close, at least offensively, that I would rather play Naheem Hines because we know how much that Philip Rivers loves to dump the ball down. He over the last three years he has thrown to the running back the, the at the highest rate of any of any quarterback in the league, and I think a lot of people sleep on Naheem Hines. Like Naheem Hines is somebody that like kind of like that James White type play, right? Where I think that he's going to have weeks where he gets ten plus targets. And but this isn't the type of game though that I feel like the game script's going to call for him to be able to get those types of, of of usage because I think that unless like I said unless you unless you think Jacksonville is going to keep this game close offensively, then that's the only way that I could foresee myself playing Naheem Hines. And I feel like that Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack are going to kind of cannibalize each other a little bit. And do they really make themselves worth it to play at this point? Like, I would rather to kind of wait for the situation to, to kind of figure itself out before I want to play any money and put any money on these guys because I just feel like there's too much uh, volatility to go on here. That's exactly how I feel. And it's like, why do I want to lose sleep over making a decision over those two guys that, you know, like you said, they could cannibalize each other. Like one guy could, they could both run, run for a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, but in reality, I want, you know, one of them to get all of that production. So it's like, why lose sleep over, you know, which do I got to pick between Mac and, and JT or, you know, just play the the running backs that you know are going to be the high volume guys and, and not try to play that guessing game. And play the, play more of a guessing game with a wide receivers. That's more of a volatile position, anyways. Um, I just I'm just going to take the volume that I know because there are 
like like we already touched on, you know, six or seven different running backs that we know are in good matchups and have the good volume that's going to be there. So like I'm just going to play those guys and if one of these one of these guys these hypotheticals burns me, then so be it. You know, I'll I'll take my medicine and, and move on to the next week. But it's there's too many good spots and and high volume guys to to for me to play with it when I'm running out only three teams. Now, if you're playing 150, that might be a little different. Um, then you can kind of you know expand your expand your horizon as to what you're kind of exposing yourself to. But you guys aren't going to play James Robinson. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm, I'm He's not supposed to be this week. Well. He, if he was 3K, if he was the nut minimum of 3K, like I would have some interest in him. I can't do it. Not a 4K. Because they got Chris Thompson and they've got a Zigbo and. Well, I mean, it depends on how much you believe in the the beat reporters. Uh, they they came out and said that uh, the reason they cut Leonard Fournette was because of how well James Robinson played. They're, they're how comfortable they felt with cutting Leonard Fournette um, was because of James Robinson. And I guess he he he. Uh, was one of the stars of camp for Jacksonville was how well James Robinson played. Uh, and James Robinson himself is actually a, um, he's not, he's, he's an incredibly, uh, he's got incredible, he's got great burst for a running back and his last two years in college, I mean, he put up monster, uh, pretty big numbers, uh, albeit I think it was at Indiana state. Um, so, you know, big powerhouse conference there, but I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I can't play James Robinson, but uh, I'm sure some people will um, at 4K. But again, if if he was 3K, like we would get on normal week, like a normal uh, you know um, week, then I would probably maybe be somewhat interested, maybe throw him in a random tournament here and there, in the event that something happens. But not not at 4K. What what ways can you guys see yourselves getting McCaffrey onto lineups? Well, Gibson McCaffrey is going to be a pretty popular cash build, I would think. Yeah, I would I would say so. And then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to not I wouldn't call it punt, but you're gonna have to find a cheaper quarterback too. Probably Wentz Deshaun. You know, it, you're not spending that much of your salary there. I mean, ten, yeah, ten K is a, a tough pill to swallow. And there's you know, I hate man, I hate to say this, but there is kind of an unknown with McCaffrey too, right? With having a new quarterback yeah. and a new and a new coaching staff, like. Absolutely. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like, I know what Miles Sanders is going to do for Philly when they have no no wide receivers and he's 6,300 against Washington. Like, I feel like I know what Gibson's going to do at 4K. I feel like I know what Kamara's going to do regardless of how bad the matchup is, and he's 3,000 less than McCaffrey. I feel like I know what Josh Jacobs is going to do if they're winning the game. I don't know. Like, like, like you said, Maddie. I mean, you're looking at playing McCaffrey, and you you play him at 10K. Like you're you're looking for 40. You, you need 35 to 40 at least, because like, there will be there will be a handful of running backs that match the mid to upper 20s. Right. You're sitting there at 22 to 25 points, and you're not feeling great about it. Yeah, and without without the running back position, it's kind of price down normally what we see them normally you have a couple running backs in the 8k range you have a couple running backs in the 9k range to go from 10 dropping down to what 7900 that's such a big price difference like i i i I may have a little chris mccaffrey but it's going to be very small it's going to be in a couple lineups something like that like i just don't i feel like i can make much better lineups with with just avoiding him and what like you guys talked about with how much he's going to have to put up to pay off that 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 price tag is just is I, i just don't think you need to do it this week and they've got receivers now too. Like they've got DJ Moore, they've got Rod, 
uh, Robbie Anderson. They've got Curtis Samuel. Yeah, it's it's tough. I just I just wanted to get that in there because I know people are going to see that. I mean, he's the 101 pick. He smashed fantasy last year, made a ton of people money in DFS last year. And I, I just feel like people are going to just look at every way, shape and form to go back to the well. And I just haven't done that so far in builds just because I saw the price tag and was like, nah, I'm good. Um, but he is still C-Mac. So we got to, you know. Yeah. I, I just want to see it. I want to see it first um, before I'm paying up on that. And I don't think it'll fluctuate all too much in the coming weeks. You know, even if he's still putting up like 25, 27, I still think they'll, you know, they'll price him up there high. He'll have to go out and have an absolute dud to have that price drop down all too much. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about wide receiver. Um, and, you know, we kind of touched on the, wide receiver position at the top where you got Michael Thomas there. He comes in at, at 9K. He's the top. Then it drops down to 7,700. Then you got Devontae Adams at 73, Godwin and, and Evans, uh, 71 and, and 69, respectively. Um, we got top ownership here. It looks like it's from Roto Grinders. We got Marquise Brown coming in at 27.9, Djax at 27.6. I'm surprised that Djax isn't ahead of that, um, or Marquise Brown at least. Then you got Metcalf at 26.7, McLaren at 17.4. So, I mean, you can you can see how people are looking to build, right? Like, they, they people are trying to get to Lamar Jackson. Okay, how can I, you know, get his his offense? Uh, let me get Marquise Brown. People are trying to get exposure to the Tampa Bay New Orleans game by getting in Chris Godwin. Um, there's going to be a lot, a lot of guys at the wide receiver position that go under the radar. Um, Michael Thomas right now coming in at 10%. That's just crazy. I, that's just what I'm saying. Drew Brees in the dome. Like I'm going to have to figure out ways to get this dude onto lineups um, because if he goes b- bananas, like, If that game shoots out, I just see him really paying off. Um, But let's talk about this position. I mean, I talked about Devontae Parker being at 6K. Um, He has some GPP interest for me um, just with the way that their receiver receiving core is shaping out and the way he kind of finished out last year. I just think he he makes for a strong play. They got him with the Q tag. He's got the uh, red one against his name. But, uh, you know, this this. New Orleans or New Orleans, this New England defense, um, you know, I think we can maybe take advantage of them early uh, while people are kind of forgetting that they're, you know, half their secondary is sitting out and they're missing two key guys in the front seven. Um, Seattle guys, I just don't want to guess on them. Um, You know, a guy like OBJ, who's 5,900 going against Baltimore. um, I've, I've, found myself trying to build teams with him on there um, because that price just seems so cheap for a a guy like OBJ. We talked about uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry being 5,600. I mean, one of the first things we talked about on last week's pod was this price tag. And it's, it's just way too cheap, way too cheap for a guy who in the industry, people are talking about, could this guy be a wide receiver one, or, you know, is he going to be a, you know, the wide receiver one or, can you know, second year wide receiver. Nobody else um, on this team is is even has close to the talent of what he has. He's priced at the same price as John Brown. Like, it just makes no sense. Um, and then, you know, Deshaun Jackson, who's down here at forty nine hundred, who's coming in right now. It's the second highest 
our second most owned wide receiver without Jalen Rager being there, without Alshon Jeffrey being there. You know, it's going to be him, uh, JJAW, uh, Greg Ward. Uh, Kev, I know you mentioned Greg Ward and po- possibly g- getting some shares of him to be contrarian. I don't mind that. Where, where, are, you got, where are you guys finding yourself leaning towards in, in the wide receiver pool here? One, it's been a rough day for Odell, like he was trending for most of the day for not good reasons. <laughs> when I first when I first saw I was like, oh what's he is he get hurt or something happened? And then all of a sudden I'm like, what is I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Poor man. They did that man wrong. But anyway, uh one, by looking at that ownership percentage that we've seen, um, uh, I think it's fucking ridiculous that Tyler Lockett's only temper uh coming in at ten percent ownership projection and fucking DK Metcalf is twenty seven percent. Like that is fucking ridiculous to me. Like, uh give me Tyler Lockett all day at that, if if that's how it's gonna go. Like if whether you want to run it, I mean, because he's not even that expensive. I think that he is definitely the best um I think that, I mean, if you look, I mean, inside the goal line last year, uh, he was like top five in red zone receptions last year or end zone receptions. Um, most of his touchdowns came within the end zone. Like, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people look at Tyler Lockett still and like he's just a deep threat and that's not what he is. He's a nuanced front runner. And I still think that right as of right now, that's, that's what DK Metcalf is, is more of that, that deep threat nine route guy. Um, I think he could develop into something more than that. But right now that's kind of who he is. But Tyler Lockett, that's just dis- that disrespectful to my man Tyler Lockett. Like I figured it would be the other way around that Tyler Lockett would would carry much more or be much more similar in terms of ownership. And Tyler Lockett's only sixty five hundred. Like it's not even like like he's that expensive over um, DK Metcalf. So I don't know. Like I know DK Metcalf. What there's about a what DK Metcalf's fifty eight hundred compared to Tyler Lockett. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I just think that's ridiculous uh, to me. I like I'll take Tyler Lockett at that price range at sixty five hundred all day. I agree. I also think the uh, the Chicago and Detroit wide receivers are egregiously priced down as well. A A Rob is sixty five hundred. Galladay sixty two hundred. Marvin Jones is five k. I think yeah, he's five, something like that. He's in the five k range. Yeah, Marvin Jones fifty five hundred. Fifty five hundred. Yeah. So it's just like. You get all of the volume in that game, and it's so cheap. So, like, even if you're not stacking it up, like, you can pivot off of DK and play Galladay for only 400 more. Yeah, Kenny Galladay at 6,200. That's ridiculous. For low ownership. And, and yeah. I mean, you're looking at guys around him, like Ridley's there, um, Tyler Boyd, DJ Chark, yeah. uh, Keenan Allen, even even a guy like Stefan Diggs, I think, you know, with, with Josh Allen being on their side, them going against the Jets could – garner more ownership than a Kenny Galladay. I like Stefan Diggs this week. I think Stefan Diggs at 6,400 is, is certainly a thing you can do. Um, I think – I serious. I agree. Like, I think Diggs is actually – you know, I, we, I touched on this two weeks ago. Like, you look at Diggs's deep ball targets or average depth of target, and it went up each year, you know? And it's like – Depth of target last year of over 15 yards per target, and now he's paired with a deep ball guy in Josh Allen. Like, I think Diggs yeah. is an absolute – he absolutely is in play for tournaments against a non-existent Jets secondary. Coming in. And speaking, speaking of – yeah, I mean, 3%. And speaking of deep ball targets, what's the – what are the odds Jackson – Deshaun Jackson, you, he's kind of utilized more as uh, take the top off, you know, push the secondary back – and now it's just pepper them underneath with Greg Ward, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Godair and Miles Sanders. 
Like Jackson's going to get a couple deep targets a game, but like what's I he's, feel like he's, he's there to open stuff up more so than actually, you know, take tar- take in a eight to ten targets a game, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, he the 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 <laughs> it just never feels good to take chalk Deshaun Jackson. Right. And so, like that's so that's and, I guess I'm just trying to talk myself out of the chalk Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, which which I think you you can do. I mean, when you're he's forty nine hundred, it's not like he's the minimum. You know what I'm saying? And with the with the pass catchers there, and Carson Wentz is not a guy who peppers the number one receiver all too often, right? And mm-hmm. we know, and Deshaun is not a possession receiver as well either. So, like, I mean. This dude is going to be spreading. I mean, you're looking at it like we've talked about it. Miles Sanders, you got two tight ends. You got Greg Ward, who was getting, you know, run there late last year, who he felt confident with going to on, you know, key possessions in games. And then our Sega Whiteside comes back in his second year, too. There's just so many different mouths to feed there. It's like you could play Deshaun or you could just take you could find somewhere in your in your build to get $700 if you don't have it already and play Terry McLaurin. And I would much rather play Terry in the situation that it's Haskins, it's Terry, they have the rapport together and he is going to just pepper a guy a ton of times. And there's mm-hmm. nobody else to kind of take it away from him where Carson Wentz is kind of like the, the player who goes out there and he just is trying to make the correct play. He's not going to force anything. He's not going to, you know, do anything outlandish. He's going to, game managed to the nth degree and just go out there and make the smart play, which doesn't always bode well for, you know, getting a guy to go off in fantasy, so to speak. How many people are going to be tilting whenever John Hightower is the guy that catches that deep (laughs) 60 yard ball from from Carson? Not me because I'm fading DJX. I I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, I wasn't insane. I've I've seen a lot of DJX hype this week already. Yeah. And if you're playing cash and they got double up tournaments and, and, or double up tournaments, double up, uh, you know, going on, then yeah, you want to have them because he's going to be, you know, 30 to 40% owned in those situations. And so by having them, it won't necessarily kill you. But when you're looking to take down uh, a GPP, and especially in the single entries too, like just by pivoting off of this one guy who's expected to be chalk, who doesn't really, the the avenues for him to get there aren't really matching up all that well, all that well. And you could see a situation into where Philly isn't really needing to be pass heavy because they're controlling this game so much against Washington. Um, then you, then you, you know, put yourself in a good position to kind of take the top and not share it with somebody else. Yeah, and let's be honest too. Like he could run his first go route and pull up with a hammy. Oh God! <laughs> Twitter would explode. Twitter would explode. Or you know, or he could go out there and he could get eighty four tutty, and it's like, and that's that's fine. You know, it, I don't think it gets to the point where you need to have him until he gets a hundred and two. Yeah. He goes out there and gets a hundred and two, and then you start shaking people's hands and you say, you know, all right, you got that play, but. I'm basically, um, I'm basically betting on low volume is what I'm betting right. on. Like he can, okay, if he catches one long touchdown, fine. That's not going to burn me. But it, right. it, where I get burned is if he catches, you know, six plus passes and goes over a hundred with the touchdown. Right. With that's, the with the with the plus one hundred bonus. Yeah. That's where that's I get great. burned. And I'm just, you know, 
I'll take my chances that he goes, you know, maybe three for 65 and one. And that's fine. I can, I can live with that. And then then you just got to get, you know, if you're not, you got to think about how the other teams are going to be built too with them. Like, okay, somebody's taking Deshaun, they're taking Gibson. If you played Deshaun, like how many of those teams are going to have Carson Wentz on the other side? So you have to find your, you, you will definitely try and find ways to get the leverage of points there to where even if he does kind of go off, you can still get other players who you expect to go off as well too, without the ownership tag of mm-hmm. what Deshaun will carry. I agree. What let's let's talk about the Arizona and uh San Francisco guys and from a wide receiver standpoint is anything really really sticking out to you guys here like I see Christian Kirk here coming at at 5k, you know DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to he's priced up at the 7k range. I don't know if I'll I'll get any of him uh this week. I kind of want to see how that plays out, but this is definitely a game that you know, speaks on paper of fantasy goodness. So I guess I'm trying to figure out if there's pieces that can be had from this game with uh, lower lower expected ownership or to find leverage on the field. Like Kendrick Bourne is 5K. I don't really know how I love that in a one-off situation, but are there any guys here that we can – really feel confident about i mean debo is only five three but he's you know he's not going to be a hundred percent i don't feel like he's not participating yeah. in practice and his his status is up in the air so i mean you we could be looking at just kendrick born and kittle <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost just kittle and maybe if you wanted to play Kenyon drake if you're confident in his foot because he's he did really well against San Francisco both games last year, um, and you can you at least last year you could run on San Francisco a little bit. It was the the passing game that you know kind of struggled, but yeah, I mean, again, like especially when you look at San Francisco in the air, they just have a lot of different guys they can throw out on the field and just attack you with different ways. Like I remember, I don't I can't remember which game it was. But the backup running back, the first target he got all game was the game-winning touchdown. And they had said that they had drawn that play specifically up for like a late-game situation and for him. And so it's like when Shanahan's going to do stuff like that, like that's so unpredictable, and I can't predict that the backup running back's going to catch the game-winning touchdown because that's what they have drawn up their sleeve. You know, that's just – that's the kind of stuff Shanahan does. Like, And I just feel like Kittle is the one guy on that offense right now until Debo gets healthy that I can really trust on a week in week out basis. And I don't really want to jump on a Trent Taylor or a Kendrick Bourne or somebody like that, that could, no. you know, maybe only catch like three passes for 30 yards. And even if he scores, we just, you know, it's, it's not going to burn me. Yeah. Draft, DraftKings just got smart on that pricing with Kittle because while he is 7,200 and I do feel like you have to, treat him as a wide receiver and not necessarily a tight end like that just that is a hard pill to swallow there it's Arizona target tight ends against Arizona I get it it's Kittle there's nobody else that is you think that Jordan Reed could be in play like I mean I know I know it seems crazy but I think that if if they have all these guys out if if Samuel were to miss and Ayuk were to miss like I think you could see them run a lot of 12 personnel and Jordan Reed uh, I think could actually see some volume at that prize. Yeah, see, that that's what I'm saying, though. Like, Shanahan's going to – like, I just feel like he's going to use all these guys. <laughs> he's just going to use everyone. 
and I've got no way of knowing who it's going to be or like if it's even enough for one person to where it matters. Like I could see San Francisco scoring 30 plus points and Garoppolo naked is what wins you money. But look, what we can really talk about, though, is it, Dan Arnold. Like, he's always in play. Like, yes, uh, he is always in play. We're, we're moving to tight ends, Kev. Let's get it. Well, I, no, I just I just saw his name up there whenever you were uh, going through stuff. and just No, but I think I agree, Ryan. 7,200 for Kittle is tough because then I look at freaking Zach Ertz for 5,800, and he's going to be the number one option right. on that offense um, against Washington. And then I've got – we talked about – you know, tight ends against zone defenses. You got Hurst at 4,300. And usually when I pay down at tight end, you need somebody who's going to catch a touchdown or two. And I feel like that Hurst can get me there with that. Um, or even, you know, a, a, a Dallas Goddard, like 4,100. He's kind of interesting at that price against Washington. So, yeah, man, 7,200 for Kittle. I, I want to play him so bad, but it's just so – even Mark Andrews at 6K against Cleveland. Like, I feel like Andrews is a miniature version of Kittle in terms of efficiency, so. Yeah, and when they get into that red zone, too. It, yeah, I, w- I, I could definitely see myself getting some Andrews just knowing that I'm saving 1200 off of Kittle and not going to necessarily have to kick myself. I mean, if you know, Kittle can go out there and get 580 in a tutty, you know, and – Maybe maybe that maybe that is enough at the tight end where you know everything else is nasty and you feel okay with getting that out of seventy two hundred. But you know, if Mark Andrews, even even on the limited efficiency, I mean this guy was going out, you know, four catches, eighty yards, two touchdowns, or you know, three catches and two of them were touchdowns. Like that's just insane. So uh I I definitely want want to have shots on him. Um you know, I could see I, I could see people wanting to play Jared Cook in that game um, at that price tag, but I, I won't. I mean, he he just doesn't do enough. I feel like and doesn't get enough volume for to, for me to ever feel confident that he'll pay off. I, I do have some interest in in Mike Gesicki because if they do try and play the receivers um, straight up on on Miami and and just are leaving the the middle of the field wide open for him. Uh, New England, that is. I think he could, you know, definitely pay off that price tag as well, too. Yeah. Who? I mean, what else do we got here? I, yeah. Kev, you talked about Derek Carr a little bit. So Darren Waller at 5,900, you'd be okay going with that? Against yeah, I don't need that price tag, especially, you know, considering the matchup and everything else with Carolina. Um, 5,900, I don't I don't think is egregious. You know, I, I could see for people why, you know, people would rather play Ertz, who's actually $100 cheaper in that price range. But um, I think you could play Waller there. You know, I, I think I think Hunter Henry is certainly a viable play against Cincinnati in their defense. Uh, we know that Tyrod Taylor likes to target his tight end, going all the way back to his days in Buffalo. So I think that he is somebody that I, you know that I would want to play as well. That I don't think is getting a whole lot of uh, run this week, and, and Hunter Henry. You know, and I think there's you know I so you know you, you guys we already talked about Hunter Hurst at forty three hundred, Dallas Goddard I think is somebody, but uh, T.J. Hawkinson at forty two hundred, uh, I think this could be a real big uh, year for him, kind of the experience his true breakout, like you know like we thought we were gonna get early last year whenever he had that monster game and then just disappeared, but you know I, I think for me at tight end it's pretty much gonna be pretty straightforward again. You know, I have no problem with paying George seventy two hundred for George Kittle. I know he's so much more expensive than everybody yeah. else, but there is just nobody else there. 
And, you know, Arizona was kind of the flow chart last year, right? I mean, whoever's playing yep. Arizona, that's who you played. They didn't really do much to uh, upgrade that. So, George Kittle, I mean, George Kittle could see 15 targets in this game. So, I, so. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. It, it's I, just, not, it's just tough because the, the thing about it is, like, when you're thinking about builds and so you're looking at all these other tight ends that are on the early slate, set of games like unless somebody you know really goes off and you're still sitting there and you have Kittle like you could that's that could start skyrocketing people like you know who who have him on builds because he's in that that afternoon late set <clears throat> so you really just would be looking at yourself being being hurting if you play somebody uh who's gone early and they only have you know let's just say 10 to maybe 15 unless they're you know 4k and under you're really just like damn what's kittle gonna get and you're sitting there sweating the game out because he could go off and get 20 every catch you're just like hating life um jack doyle coming in at at 3600 i know he's got the q tag but burton is on ir so he could be the only guy there that philip rivers you know can lean on we know how much he likes tight ends he's 3600 he doesn't need to do a lot to to pay off that price tag. Am I crazy for thinking about him or? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think it's actually a pretty uh, pretty decent play, especially at the price tag at thirty six hundred. I mean, if you look at it's kind of so like we haven't really. I don't even think we've talked about the indie side about this other than the running backs. So we never talked about the pass catchers here either. Really, I think that for Indy, I mean, I think Jack Doyle, I think makes a lot of sense, especially early on um here and i you know i i think if you wanted to you know jack jacksonville's defense is absolutely horrendous we've already mentioned that i don't think that's really breaking anything down for anybody but he's likely going to come in at like sub 10 percent ownership and you know i think asking for him to pay off that price you're not you know you don't need a whole lot but i think five for 60 and a touchdown is certainly in the range of possibilities for him and, and you know in this matchup I mean, because where else are the targets going to? I know they have Paris Campbell right. that a lot of people like. They have Michael Pittman, the rookie, T.Y. Hilton. But, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I do like that call of Jack Doyle at 3,600. Yeah. Probably, I would... You know, get off the chalk. That's Dan Arnold at 3,500. So, <laughs> <pivot>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've played Jack Doyle a couple of times. And obviously, this is a new situation with him, new, new you know, offense with Phillip Rivers there at the home. But it, it just always kind of makes you nervous. You just never know what you're going to get from this guy. And like I said, he's he's on the early set of games. So he goes out there and he only gets you, you know, eight, nine points or whatever. Um you're really not feeling good about that. Will McNeil coming into the chat talking about Chris Herndon. He's 3,300. Um, talking about him that's being the best cheap. play under 4K. Yeah, that's that's not bad idea going on uh, the Buffalo side or attacking Buffalo if they're going to be from behind. Yeah, and we know they love Chris Herndon. Um, he has been hyped up all all off season um, from there, and you know he was somebody a couple years ago whenever he first was coming out that people were. That uh, you know really uh, came on, uh, and he was kind of on nobody's radar in terms of a, you know a prospect and everything else. And uh, you know last year he suffered injuries all throughout the off or all throughout the season. Every time we thought he was going to be back, yeah, he got hurt again. So, but yeah, Chris Herndon at thirty three hundred, that's incredibly it, too cheap. Wasn't he suspended too, or something like that? Then he like suspended the first yeah, four games. Yeah, I think games, he was. I think he was back, suspended for the first two games. Then he got hurt. Oh. Yeah, it, it was a. Uh, 
It was it was a yeah, ride. been a roller coaster ride for Chris Herndon. So you know, here's here's to him to to get back on track and see if we he can do it against Buffalo. Yeah, and, it, and to be honest with you, I mean, really, I though if you look at the so I mean they, they have every one of their wide receivers are hurt outside of Jameson Crowder, right? Denzel right. Mims is, uh, is has an injury. Uh, Brashad Perriman has been has been going in and out of injuries. So right now, I mean, it's it's Jameson Crowder and it's Chris Herndon. Like those are the kind of the two only options they have outside. Of, I guess Le'Veon Bell as pass catchers. Like there's not a lot there. Like they're 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 pretty beat up in that that situation. So I mean, Chris Herndon uh, is certainly going to be the guy down inside the red zone they'd be looking for as well. So I'm um, 3,300. That's just entirely too cheap. Yeah, I, I, I like that call from from Will there. Thank you, Will, for getting into the chat. And the uh, slander for Dan Arnold will not stand, okay? I just want to let that know right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, how, how much Dan Arnold, Kev? Realistically, probably zero, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we can we can never – I can never we'll not talk about no Dan bite. We'll, we'll, we'll talk on uh, Sunday morning as you're setting up and like, damn, I don't have a Dan Arnold lineup yet. And then every team all of a sudden starts having Dan Arnold as of late because you're I, loving yeah, I may, you I may, can get I, with him. I, you know, maybe I'll create one. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'll create one to see how it goes. But, yeah, I still love Dan Arnold. And I, I actually think he could end up being somewhat of a thing this year. Hey, I mean, let's let's see it happen. Let's see it come to fruition and let those Well, it's not saying a whole cap. lot to be a thing as a tight end, okay? Like, you go out and get – 40 for 450 and five and, and you know you're borderline tight end one. Oh geez here we go now borderline tight end one get with kelsey God. and kettle got something to say about that with no number. i'm not i'm talking about i'm talking about low end tight end one i'm talking about oh, I, I got All you right? i got you dude i keep i keep looking at goddard's freaking game log from last year and i don't i don't know i just keep getting more interested in him while you guys were talking i'm just sitting here staring at his game log and Dude, I guarantee you, Maddie, you will be tilted. You could be tilted. I, why? I, I, I see. I see that. But From week eleven on, what do you six, eight, seven, six, six, twelve, ten, and eight targets? But it's our, a very, it's a very similar situation than what it was last year with all those guys getting hurt. Exactly, and it's it's that's essentially is it's the same scenario as last year, except you throw D. Jackson in the mix. I mean, they, they added, you know, John Hightower, which who knows if he'll, I mean, how much of a role he'll have early. JJ Arthur, a wide side, will still, is still there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Greg Ward may be the leading pass catcher, which uh, at wide receiver. So, which is exactly where we were, there, you know, at the end of last year. So, yeah, maybe, yeah, I guess with all the injuries too. And like looking at his game log, like his, he's consistently in like the mid teens, but he wasn't catching any touchdowns. So, like the game, that 24 point game he caught it was six for 91 and a tutty so like if he catches a touchdown right. he's gonna get you almost 29 for 91 nine for 91 yeah that was one of his 12 target games it's just like man he was so consistent without any touchdowns and if you just throw in i mean it's washington right he can score against washington six and 55 against washington last year 10 point win but it, the yeah, only thing that I would I, say I, I with, the, with last year, though, is they have to remember is that especially that first game of the year was that Washington. I think that was the game that Washington actually came out on top, like early, and was putting it to the Eagles early. And then the, the the Eagles had to come back in that game. If we get a different game script and the Eagles get up early on them, you know, it could kind of make we could change all of that. Where you know they just lean on the run and and kind of milk the clock. We don't we don't see um, the Eagles have to really you know air the ball out. I think that would be the only concern I would have with playing Washington is you is want it, Washington to be able to keep this game close. 
Is a Philly Washington game stack viable? Yeah, because I think the pieces are are cheap enough, and you know where production is going to come from. Like it's probably will be lower scoring. You know, it's not, what, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get into the mid fifties in terms of final score unless you get, you know, the Eagles scoring thirty plus points, which is viable. But like I'm yeah. just I'm just thinking about in all the pieces we talked about, and like you could legit build a roster that might be okay with Wentz, Djax, a tight end, Gibson, and McLaurin. It feels like a game I'm just going to pick and choose from as opposed to just loading up. Which is fair, but I mean, like, I'm already doing builds, and I feel myself – I mean, I'm at least getting two pieces of that game in every build that – Which is fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So you think Dwayne Haskins is going to win $70 million this week? No, it's Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) <laughs> we had Fitzpatrick last year. I know, I know. Yeah, we did have Fitzpatrick. Fitz magic. All right, let's uh let's talk about these defenses here before we build our team and close it out as we usually do. And um defense, we kind of talked about it uh last week with you know the minimum price we kind of saw dip towards the end there uh last year on DK under the 2K range. It looks like they brought that back with Washington being the minimum um, at 2K. Uh, but, you know, definitely we we got some cheap defenses, I guess, that you can consider. Um, Dolphins. Da- down yeah, here. Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins at 2K against New England. That's exactly where we were at the last time. Yep. It's yeah. still the same. It's, it's it hasn't just... changed. Dolphins. I'm looking here. I'm looking here. What, what about uh, – well, damn. No, I don't know if you could go there. I mean, Colt, Colts at 3K, I feel like is going to be popular too. And that's, I'm, I'm fine with that against Jacksonville. Mr. Minshew kind of making mistakes. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anybody above 3K that I could consider though. I mean, Philly, Philly's going to be chalk, but they're 3,600. Yeah. I just, I usually just try to save money with defense and play the variance game. I'm telling you, man, that Dolphins defense, their their personnel is is a significant upgrade this year from last year. They may not be, you know, one of the top ten defenses, but they're not going to be a bottom feeder defense either. So ne- guys, ne- neither of you guys are going to have exposure to New England offense. No. I probably will not. No. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, we got a comment here from Will. Chargers going to be the chalk D rookie quarterback short offseason strong pass rush. I don't know about chalk, Will, but I could I could see them. Uh, they're just without Derwin James running some ownership. Yeah, James. Yeah, it looks like they're top three. I mean, they're yeah. yeah. Third. Ooh, Dolphins aren't chalk at mid price. Let's go. <laughs> I'm all. Dude, in. I don't feel like ever. I don't feel like it ever on unless it's on the short slate that a min price D is really chalk. Except, except for when why. they when they were under two when they were starting to get under two k and there was like somebody was twelve hundred I remember last year. You just yep, just throw them in. Jet, Jets, I think Jets were twelve hundred. Yeah. Um, Defensive touchdowns are just so random. It's like just give me a right. team that you know can generate a little bit of a pass rush and maybe I luck into a sack fumble. Miami three point eight percent. That is, <laughs> print money. Print money versus, versus Cam Newton, who hasn't played in over a year, and they have no running back. And Miami made all these upgrades, and their men price ah, lock button. 
Lock button play of the league, Miami <laughs> Dolphins defense. All right, lock button play for, for Maddie and Kev is Dolphins D. I'm probably going to get some Colts exposure there. Um, but I like the know. Colts D, like the yeah. personnel they have. I like, I like Colts D. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've they've done some things all around, and you know, if it just if Philip Rivers turns the ball over, they're dealing with short fields. Um, who's to say? But um, that's that's where I, I usually look at the middle and kind of start there. But yeah, if I need some salary relief, then I might be I might be struggling along with you guys. I think I think Pat's defense as the most as with the highest ownership, I think, is uh, somewhat ridiculous to me. Yeah, because like, they're without all their. Yeah main guys or not all but most of their main guys right yeah they're missing some of them yeah they lost obviously Kyle yeah. Noy, uh high tower is, is had opted out which is a huge blow to their defense um when it, it's just incredible how much people i feel like base things off of the year pass so much because you look at the the game logs for the patriots d and you know when we were getting those 20 point games 30 point games out of them like people are like oh yeah like let's play the pats going against the Miami Dolphins team where the Pats traditionally have won against them, but there's so many things that factor in now with the scenery changing completely without Tom Brady being there and their defense being a shell of itself. So that could be leading to that ownership, though. I feel like game log, game log watching. I don't know. Just uh, lock them in. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Dolphins, Dolphins, D. It is all right. Let's let's build this team real quick. I got it uh, loaded up in the Millie tournament, but I think uh, I'm going to start entering these uh, lines into single entry. So I'll be sure to I'll tweet it out from the Degen Nation Pod Twitter account. Um, the tournament entry or the tournament that we end up in with this entry, and uh, we'll let you guys know. But let's let's build it right here on the uh, on the Millie side as we have it pulled up here. And uh, Maddie, let's let's start with you, man. And why don't you let us know how this build is gonna go? Lock of the week, Dolphins Day. You guys can have the. You can guys can start us off with how uh, how we take. I'll give you some salary relief. Two KD is in there. Yeah. Um, Kev, you want next or you want me to go? All right, I'm gonna um, I'm I'm gonna go with Josh Jacobs. We 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 all we all liked him, and I like that price tag on him. Still Josh Jacobs in there, 6,800. Let's go with uh, Miles Sanders then. Or no, 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 no. It's going to get weird. Let's go, let's go, let's go, Gibson. All right, we're going Matt Stafford. I have so much money left over. Or so much money I mean, to play with. <laughs> um, if we if we play Stafford, oh, go ahead, Kev. No, it's me. I'm going to oh, say yeah, Galladay. Yeah. If we're playing Stafford, I'm going to say Galladay. We got to get points somewhere. Let's just run it back with Allen Robinson then. Oh, shit. We did it, man. See, this is where this is where builds are going to get interesting because there's like a lot of different ways you can go. You're yep. going to have to make a decision. Like you can pay up for George Kittle, and then kind of pay down a little bit at your wide receiver and flex, or you can pay down at tight end, or you can go mid range at tight end like Zach Ertz. Yeah, and then afford more of it's it's yeah. Builds are going to be there's going to be a lot of two v two, three v three decisions you're going to have to make this week. Yeah, but I can guarantee you, like having this having this roster here, like even if you were to go like a kettle, like the the Stafford Galladay stack with Allen Robinson is very contrarian. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Um, I want. I definitely want a third running back. So let's go with 
Y'all, either Eckler or Kamara. What do y'all, what do y'all feel? I, I'd rather have Kamara, to be honest. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Kamara this week. Let's go, Kamara. Kev, you got a wide receiver or a tight end that you like? I don't know. 50, I'm just waiting 50, to see. 55-50. Because I'm, I'm waiting I'm, to see what's uh, – I'm considering I'm considering Andrews at six K. Oh, I can make that work. Oh yeah, fifty one. That's that's light work there. So yeah, we got Andrews. If we play Andrews it's mm. fifty one for a wide receiver left. That range is kind of gross. Or if we go Hurst, we got sixty eight hundred left. What if we go Hurst, Kev? What leave a Mark Andrews. Let's just go let's just go Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, okay. I mean, I, we could we could go to Sean Jackson, but we know that's gonna how chalky nah, he's gonna be. I'm so I don't want to do that. And then, you know, um, you don't want to play Marquise Brown with Mark Andrews and not have Lamar. Right, right. We could go Greg Ward, which I like a lot, but I mean, he's forty two hundred. That would leave quite a bit on the table, which would obviously be open that up and be be contrarian in its own right. Greg Ward and Kittle. Can you get to that? Does that work? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, see, that's where I yeah. That's where I would go. Oh, you're it's one. Oh shit, three. Oh, it's three hundred short. Three hundred short. I thought you could get to it. You would need like a Paris Campbell against Jacksonville type. Oh, we want to get Katrin. Hold on, let me look here. I can get Katrin. <laughs> oh boy, he's at it. He's at it again. Dante Pettis. He's at it again. You want me to plug Kittle back in, Kev? You got some? Oh God, I don't like where this is going on. <laughs> We Dude, get real you... wild here, boys. Oh God! Get Kittle in at seventy-two hundred, and it leaves me just enough. So we'll have nothing left on the table. We're gonna go with Joe Reed. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like a generated creative player? No. Uh, so, well, obviously, I have to know to figure out if Mike Williams is gonna be back. But if he's not, like, he's supposed to be the starting wide receiver in the Mike Williams role. Jesus, Joe Reed. I'm telling you, Joe Reed is bald this offseason uh, through through camp, and the dude is super athletic. Like he ran, uh, he's um, let me bring it up. I'm telling you, low key, he is. We're, we're gonna start the pod next week with the Joe Reed tribute if he goes out and gets a touchdown. <laughs> so 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 Joe Reed uh, has 74th percentile 40 yard dash, ran a 4.47, um, 112.2 speed score, which is 94th percentile. He has 126.1 75th percentile burst score. Uh, he's a rookie, fifth round pick out of Virginia, six foot one, two twenty five. So, Dude, and Maddie, what what's crazy about it is as we laugh and and I was laughing there with you is like a 3900 receiver doesn't need to do much to pay off when you're looking at this team. Like if Kittle goes out and does what he's supposed to do, if we get Kamara, if we if we do hit on that Detroit Chicago stack, like Joe Reed could go out there and get ten points. But see at that point I'd rather take somebody like Goddard. Just so for how I would approach my build. Like if I was like, okay, two V two, give me give me Goddard and a seven K receiver like Mike Evans. Well, I would too. I'm not saying I was just saying if you were looking to get the like I I, I think Joe Reed uh I don't I don't mind uh well hold on. We even oh yeah, we could fit Kittle or uh Goddard. Like I'm just talking I'm just kinda of talking out loud, like if I was like assessing this team and kind of finalizing it as one of my own, I would say, okay, give me the upside at the wide receiver from a high price wide receiver. And I'll take my floor instead of a 3,900 Joe Reed. I'll take my floor from a 4,100 Goddard. I'm pulling up the chargers depth chart though. Not that that really matters, but 
Yeah, I mean, the Chargers literally only have a handful of guys. The, the only thing is I, you, I don't like having to root for Tarod. <laughs> Dude, now that I think about it, like how involved, how heavily are they going to rely on Eckler? Dude, I don't I mean a lot. Right? They have Absolutely. to. If Williams is out, right? And like, it's not like Cincinnati's going to be able to push back on him. Sorry, are you locking in uh, Goddard? I, Sorry, I, didn't I went back to, to read. I went back to read Kittle. Yeah, okay. go, go read Kittle. Just, I went back to. I went. I'm gonna go. Here we go. We're gonna go read Kittle on this team that consists of Matthew Stafford, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, uh, Joe Reed, George Kittle, Evan Kamara in the flex, and then Dolphins D. If we get word that Mike Williams is going to be playing, or if we somehow change this team or change around this team, I will release an update on the DGen Nation pod Twitter on Sunday morning with the with the final roster. I'll I'll do so anyway. But at 9 a.m. DGen Nation Twitter, we will tweet out what our final roster is, what tournament we are in for a single entry with this lineup finalized and set. But for right now, that is the squad. And for right now, that is your week one DJ Nation podcast for the 2020 season in the books. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Shout out to Maddie Moles Pod and shout out to Will coming in here and, uh, you know, interacting with us. I appreciate that. As I said before, at the start of the pod, you guys rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you send a screenshot to me on Twitter, Ryan Alexander underscore W, that you rated it on another podcasting software, I will Venmo the or PayPal the first 10 people to do so to me, five bucks, so you guys can play for that on any side of your choosing, whatever have you. First 10 people to do that, five-star rating, get, get a review in, send me a screenshot, Let's go. Let's get it. We got to start the season off strong. The DJ Nation pod is back, baby. Thank you guys so much for joining in with us. We want to we want to hear from you guys. We want to see those screenshots. We want to talk to you guys, interact with you. YouTube channel. You guys see it right there at the bottom screen. If you're watching live, go subscribe to the channel. If not, we're going to catch you guys on the airwaves on any of your of your podcasting software. We love interacting with you guys. Get in the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> follow us on twitter get in the slack we got the slack chat that's going to be starting up strong you can find details about that too on tfa uh on our fantasy authority uh twitter handle as well um you guys got any last words before i sign off no i'm, I did I'm not excited think we for were going to be getting on joe reed this week but here we are <laughs> <laughs> we are not on joe reed for the record <laughs> joe, joe reed placeholder lineup joe reed placeholder lineup as we as we get things set and dive in i'm just uh, i'm we, waiting for him go like five for 70 and a touchdown and just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna show up no, to the next week just like this i'm not gonna say a word i'm just with no mike williams though that caveat in there with no Mike Williams, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be crickets. Woo! That's a that's an hour and fifty minutes. That's going to do it for us here at the DJ Nation Pod. Signing off for Kevin Steele at Fantasy at Fantasy Wrath Thirteen is where you can find him on Twitter and Maddie Dixon at Maddie DFS on Twitter. I am Ryan Alexander underscore W on Twitter, and we'll catch you guys next week for Week Two. 
the Degen Nation podcast. But until then, get that money, y'all. Week one, football's back. We here. Peace out. Think you can tell me what to do? Know who you're talking to?